The Holy Gospel according to John, the sixth chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. When they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? Jesus answered them, Very truly I tell you, you are looking for me not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. Do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures for eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For it is on him that God the Father has set his seal. Then they said to him, What must we do to perform the works of God? Jesus answered them, This is the work of God, that you believe in him who he has sent. So they said to him, What sign are you going to give us then, so that we may see it and believe you? What work are you performing? Our ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Then Jesus said to them, Very truly I tell you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is that which comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. They said to him, Sir, give us this bread always. And Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Please be seated. May the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. A very blessed harvest festival celebration to one and all. I don't know about you, but this is one of my favorite times of the year, not just because of the changing colors, but really because of the temperature. I love the feeling of cool fall breezes after a hot summer, and I didn't even have to endure a hot summer in Bratislava like many of you. We were in the States for much of the summer and had a really pleasant experience, not just because Americans have air conditioning everywhere you go. We really had a temperate summer in the U.S., So it makes this fall all the more welcome, I'm sure, for you after a hot time this summer. And certainly I hope it gives you a sense of gratitude, not just for the cooling weather, but for the plenty that you see before you today, the plenty that you share with the needy in this community. This sacred worship today is about coming before our God with our first fruits in gratitude for having any fruits at all. As the farmers and the laborers 
work long hours the next many weeks bringing in the harvest, we gather to give thanks for their work and the work of our God that began in the depths of the soil, to the shining of the sun, to the falling of the rain. The harvest is important for so many reasons, but mainly because it feeds a hungry world. In this day of offering and donations and thanksgiving, it should leave us conflicted, too. Because despite our efforts to thank God by offering our first fruits, whether today or our whole lives long, somehow there is never enough to feed all those who are hungry in the world. Our gospel passage today presents a peculiar story of people who come to Jesus hungry for more. But they've already been fed. It's peculiar part of the story of the feeding of the 5,000 that is often left out and therefore not known or remembered by many. Surprisingly, many are hungry for more. Jesus makes clear that trusting the bread of this world to fill us up is folly. It is foolish. Whether we have access to that bread or not. It doesn't feel very fair for Jesus to say that those who don't have access to bread or can't afford it should dismiss it and trust in Jesus as the bread of life. Yes, no one is immune to ending the chronic nature of returning to hunger. It is a condition of our temporary bodies in this world, even if we can fill our bellies for a time. But does Jesus really expect us to put our hunger for him above our hunger for food in this world? It seems that according to this passage, the answer is yes. But it doesn't mean it will be easy. Because as another part of scripture says, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. It is a miracle that so many were fed with only five loaves in that feeding of the 5,000. But what is a greater miracle is that Jesus can be the only bread that we need consume that won't leave us eternally hungry for more. What a miraculous thing that our God has provided us with something that even though we may die of actual hunger, we won't die of hunger for Jesus in eternity. And all the while, we are called to live a life that exudes gratitude to God for all that this world provides. The second reading, as an excerpt from Paul's letter, to the Christians at Philippi, it feels more like a text that we might read on our American Thanksgiving holiday, where the focus is not about returning first fruits and gratitude, but rather simply a reminder to have a perspective of gratitude to God in all circumstances. 
While this is a commendable takeaway from this passage and this day, it doesn't seem like quite enough, does it? Because rejoicing and praising God in all circumstances of this, of this life can be difficult. As we said, it, it is not easy, especially when we find ourselves in the midst of suffering. But a closer and more careful reading of Paul's words reveal that rejoicing and praising God isn't all about feel-good experiences like the kinds we hope that you leave worship here each Sunday with. When we bring all of our prayers and supplications, all of our emotions, all of our fears, our anxieties to God, and even the mad ravings and the complaints that we have to God, this is also what it means to give praise to God. Because in every circumstance of this life, whether we are hungry or not, whether we are suffering or not, we are to come to God for comfort, for relief, for something to fill our empty souls. And maybe our bellies will be filled in that moment. Maybe our souls will be replenished. Maybe not. But we are to believe that God is the one who can provide what needs to be filled, no matter what. It always feels appropriate to share stories that have borne witness and nurtured my own spirituality. And I do so for the sake of being vulnerable with you all and giving what I pray is a helpful and tangible example. And I've shared some of the details in the past about when our oldest son, Odin, was born. It was a traumatic experience that no one expected. Essentially, he was born not breathing and endured rigorous CPR, life-saving measures, in order to bring him the breath of life that he needed. Needless to say, Anna and I were distraught. Her continuing to undergo her emergency cesarean operation, and me kneeling at her head and praying with her all while they tried to save our son's life. I've relived that moment over and over again in my mind, recalling the prayers that we probably screamed and cried out in really obnoxious ways in that operating room. But that's not what consumes me, what consumes my memory. What I reflect on afterwards is that they were desperate cries and prayers to God because God was there. And while we had no idea of the outcome or if our prayers would have any answer, any relief for our fear and anxiety, we were still in the moment of our despair communicating with our God, who we needed greatly. Even if Odin hadn't survived that day, I'd like to think that still in those moments I would have been able to look back and see that communication to God in those moments as moments of praise and thanksgiving for God's presence in my life. And to me, this is exactly 
what it means to bring all of our prayers and supplication to God in thanksgiving. Not because we expect God to fulfill them, to fill our bellies or our souls in that moment, but we do expect and believe that God is present in all moments. Because our God has shown us time and time again that God shows up and is present in all the stories of our sacred book. And since this isn't a traditional Thanksgiving celebration like many in the U.S. celebrate toward the end of November, we should rather focus on passages from our first reading from Deuteronomy. And like the introduction in your bulletin says, it is an annual harvest celebration called the Feast of Weeks. It is a festival that celebrates the first fruits of the produce of the land offered back to God in thanksgiving. As they bring their offering, worshipers are reminded to proclaim God's gracious acts in the whole story of their people, not just in their part of the story. With our beautiful seasonal decor of first fruits offered here in the chancel area, and the offerings that you have brought that will be brought forward later, we are a living embodiment of this story from Deuteronomy. We are a living embodiment of the commandment to give thanks and praise to God in all circumstances of this life. With this ritual, we remember and proclaim God's gracious acts in the history of God's creation. That creation includes us, dear friends. And we are invited into that celebration, that embodiment in every circumstance of our lives. In rejoicing, in sorrow, we can remember and celebrate the graciousness of our God. So we proclaim together this day and always, thanks be to God for the harvest of our lives. Amen. Amen.